ask, what does he appreciate more about most about devotees? And it's, it's the devotee struggle that he appreciates the most because it actually shows Krishna how much we love him, that we struggle, right? When you struggle for someone, you struggle to do something, that means you really care. Otherwise, why would you struggle? You know, you wouldn't struggle to do something you don't care about like that. So there's a wonderful story, uh, pastime, how Krishna, you know, every day he goes out into the forest and he takes the cows and he calves out into the forest. So he's, he has this particular rope that he carries, you know, it's called the Nir Yoga Pasha. You know, this rope is called Nir Yoga Pasha. It's a very beautiful rope. It's made of uh, a yellow silk garment with uh, jewels inlaid in it, you know. And he uses that to tie the hind legs of the calves so that uh, when he's milking the cows, you know, the calves need to be around because when the cow, mother cow sees the calves, she becomes full of love. Of course, in Vrindavan, when the cows see Krishna, they feel even more love than they feel for their own, you know, babies like that. But naturally, a mother feels a lot of love for the baby, and that's why the mother, you know, produces breast milk, you know, like that. So, uh, so he uses that to tie the, uh, the hind legs of the calves so that they can stay, stand still so he can milk the cows, you know, like that. So, uh, this, and, and uh, 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 Balaram also has his own, you know, rope as well. You know. uh, his, his rope is called the Avadut uh, Ram um, Vesha. And you notice how in Bhat Nityananda's case, who is none other than Balaram himself, uh, he's known as Avaduta, you know. Because he's Ram himself, he's Balaram, actually. Uh, appearing in Lord Krishna's Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, he becomes known as Nityananda. So anyway, so this, uh, when the gopis see this rope, they become very, very, um, very excited. Because the rope actually signifies something for all of us. When, when Krishna wears that rope he, on his turban, sometimes he wears it on his turban. It means that he's, he's conquered the devotee and, you know, that now he has a very nice loving relationship with that devotee. But when he wears it in his shoulders, it means he's chasing a devotee, you know. He's going to catch the devotee and bind the devotee with his love. And <laughs> then the two of them can have a nice relationship with one another because the devotee can't run away, you know. <laughs> so this is the amazing thing about Krishna consciousness is that even if we practice a little bit of Krishna consciousness, Krishna binds us with his love, you know? And even if we want to run away and we forget him, and you know how many times in a day we forget Krishna, right? How many times in a day we become focused on something that's not really important, you know? In fact, nothing is important except loving Krishna because, you know, we're in a, in a prison house, a type of prison house called Durga. And this is actually a place of reformation. The purpose of a prison house is to get out of prison, not to stay in prison. You know, it's supposed to reform you so that you can get out of prison and be a happy person outside prison, be a little law-abiding, right? So the same thing happens between the spiritual world and the material world. The spiritual world is the place where, you know, people love Krishna, and the material world is where they really don't love Krishna. They love so many other things except Krishna. <laughs> 
So really, just like for the prisoner, there is nothing more important than whatever he or she can do to get out of prison, go back again to the mature, to outside world, and be happy, you know? And imagine, like, inside the prison house, you know, you can have a job, because they, they allow you to work, and they pay you, you know? But they pay you, like, five cents an hour, ten cents an hour. Whereas outside, you get paid ten dollars an hour, you know, like that, or, you know, seven, eight dollars, depending on what the minimum wage is. But let's just say ten, ten dollars is easy to earn these days, right, per hour. Whereas inside, it's ten cents an hour. You see what I'm saying? And so, someone who makes a lot of money inside working very hard at ten cents an hour, inside prison is considered a very rich person. Because compared to the other prisoners, they have a lot of money. But compared to the people who are outside, they're beggars, you know? They don't have any money at all, hardly any money. So in the same way, when we practice Krishna consciousness, when we chant Hare Krishna, particularly the chanting process, the chanting process is said to affect the particles of the air in a certain way that create the deepest sense and the deepest experience of love of God, love of Krishna. It's actually, love of Krishna is what drives the whole world. If there was no love of Krishna, the whole world would freeze. Nothing would happen. Everything would be at standstill including the spiritual world. Everything would just stop. It's actually love of Krishna that powers everything, you know, like that. And the flute is the instrument that actually sort of broadcasts that love, you know. Just like this mic is broadcasting what I'm saying. It's making it louder, easier to hear. And if more people were sitting here far away, they might be able to hear, uh, you know, like that. And, and, you know, sometimes the mic is connected to the radio or whatever. And, you know, so people far away can hear, right? So it's the broadcaster, like that. So in the same way, the flute does the same thing. You know? So that's why they also say, if the flute stops playing, everything will freeze. That's how important the flute is. So actually, um, um, so in this story, basically what happens is that um, this just shows the loving relationships between the devotees and Krishna, you know, like that. And so Krishna has gone out to the forest and with the cows and the calves. And so his mother and father, they become very morose because he's no longer with them, you know? Krishna is a very exciting person. Whenever he's around, everybody is like really excited. And everybody is like, you know, in bliss. Because amazing things happen. The guy just does things like, you know, you can't even imagine. You know? <laughs> and he's always doing new things. It's not like the same old, same old. Oh, I saw Krishna before. I know what he looks like. Nobody feels like that at any time in Golokandala. They always feel like, wow, man, I didn't notice about Krishna. I, well, Krishna looks different right now. It's like, it's always exciting. It's so fresh all the time like that, right? So when he's gone, it's like the, the, the difference is so big that people become morose. They become like, you know, depressed, anxiety, you know. They feel so bad that he left, you know. They start mumbling to themselves, they talk to themselves, you know. They start acting like something's gone wrong with their mind, you know. They've gone mental or something, you know, like that. So, uh, so they all look forward to the time when Krishna is going to come back again, you know. And of course the cowherd boys and the cows and the uh, calves, they're just having a blast in the forest with Krishna, you know, because they're just Amazing, amazing things he does there. So, uh, so this story, the story is he's coming back, and uh, uh, you know, 
and he's got the rope hanging on his on his shoulder, you know. And, and the cows are really looking forward to being milked because you know the milk bags full, and they're actually just dripping milk all over the place as they're walking, you know. <laughs> so they want to be milked by Krishna because when Krishna's hand touches the other, it's like for them it's like pure bliss. You know what I mean? It's like they're so happy with that, you know? Because they love him so much. It's just intense love, you know? The other day I was saying that in class. You know, in our world, we think education is so important. To be aristocratic is so important, you know? Uh, to have, uh, you know, class, like we are, uh, in, a, in a civil way, a very advanced person, you know? It's very important. And for Krishna, none of these are important at all. It's just the intensity of the love that his devotees feel for him that is the most important thing. You know? So when you do kirtan, that's actually the most important thing you can do. No matter how educated you are, or how uneducated you are, how knowledgeable you are, how, you know, how much lack of knowledge you have, when we're chanting Hare Krishna, it's actually what pleases Krishna the most. It's actually the essence of everything. It is the purpose of existence. When the sages actually study the Vedas, their purpose is to convince their minds that we have to come to this point of chanting. So, you know, Prabhupada gave us that highest nectar immediately. Like, okay, just chant and be happy. You know, like that. So anyway, so Krishna is uh, on his way back and then he gets near the, uh, near the village of Nandagao. You know, Nandagao is where... Nanda Baba and his uh, you know, family stay. It's such a wonderful, wonderful, very wonderful castle. You know, the, they say the roof is made of lapis, lapis lazuli, you know. The, I mean, just total pure gems. So the windows are made of crystals, you know. The walls are made of sapphire, pure sapphire, you know. And like that. So it's just amazing, you can imagine, right? Just an amazing, amazing... Um, uh, castle, yeah, and it's a very big place. So on the north side, uh, Balram has his arrangement, you know, with frames to stay. On the south side, Krishna says stays. In the west uh, is the uh, the kitchen, you know, and then the, the little south of the west is Radharani's place. It's a very special place where she actually makes all the arrangements for the cooking to happen and things like that. It's actually not the usual this kitchen, you know there. So, uh, uh, so the gopis, because they, they, they feel so much uh, separation, their father, uh, uh, well, Radharani's father, uh, uh, Vishubhana Maharaj, he knows how much separation they feel, you know. He can see my girls are unhappy, you know, and Krishna's not around. So he built a very high tower called the moon tower. Oh, it's like almost touching the moon like that. You know, it's like, if you're down there, it's quite high. If you look at the moon, it's like touching the moon. You know? So they call it the moon tower. And so they, this, the girls, they are at the top you know, level of that tower, and they're looking out in the forest. And every so often, they'll see Krishna in a clearing, you know? And it's like the eyes would light up with happiness, you know? And then when Krishna disappears again, then they become unhappy again. It's like, you know, so the emotions just yo-yo like that, like that. So they're seeing him coming back, and now they can see him because he's cleared out of the forest, and he's on his way to Nandagal. 
and they can see him and they're so happy seeing him and they feel that the cows, the calves, the coward boys, you know, they're so fortunate to be with Krishna like that. And then, uh, so Krishna arrives and then Krishna wants to milk the cows. But his father and mother say, no, you should go home, you should shower up, you should, I mean, take a bath, freshen up, take some rest, come back and then help us, we'll milk the cows, you come back later and you help us milk the cows, you know. But he doesn't want to do that, he wants to stay with the cows, the cows don't want to separate from him. But then, you know, some of his uh, friends, especially Madhu Mangal, Madhu Mangal, one thing about Madhu Mangal, he says, he's, he's always hungry, he's always looking for more food and drink, you know. So he pleads Krishna, I'm so hungry, I want to have something to drink, Krishna, can we please go home, you know, so that, you know, they can make some nice food and we have a nice food, there's a nice hall there. And so, you know, uh, so then uh, uh, Krishna says, okay, everybody, since everybody wants that, he does that, he goes. And then he arrives at the, the castle and then steps through the door of the castle and then now rather I can't see him anymore, you know. So she starts, you, her, her demeanor just changes from really bright, happy eyes to, you know, sad, sadness like that. And so uh, Lalita, you know, holds her hand and then says, uh, you know, in a reassuring way, it's all right, you know, we'll, we'll have Krishna come here, you know, like that, be with us. And she reminds her, I said, you made some nice sweets for Krishna, I think we should send those sweets over so that they can have some nice sweets, you know, like, because after the meal, they have really nice sweets, you know, it's like, and so they live in a sweet fight and things like that. It's amazing things they do in the hall. They're like pranksters. You know, these coward boys are like pranksters. They play pranks with each other. They steal each other's sweets and they do so many other things, you know. Everybody just has, a, has like a, a really blissful time there. So, uh, uh, so anyway, so to Radharani sense, Tulsi, uh, Tulsi and, and Radharani are very close friends. Very, very close. And so she sends Tulsi and, and some of Tulsi's uh, maidservants. They go over, they take the sweets uh, to Nanagal from you know, where they are. And so then uh, Tulsi comes back again with the remnants, you know, she, with the prashad, the prashad. Radharani never eats anything that's not been eaten by Krishna anyway. She won't put it in her mouth unless it's been eaten by Krishna. She'll only eat whatever Krishna eats. Anything that he has put in his mouth and left, that she'll eat. She'll eat nothing else. So they all know that. So they, so Tulsi comes and brings the offerings to uh, to uh, Lalita, so Lalita can serve it out to Radharani at the right time. But Radharani is more interested in what happened in the food hall. So she has Tulsi sit down and she says, and, and you know, Tulsi, uh, uh, she can see that Tulsi is a little crying, you know, and so she takes a little right hand, right finger, and she lifts her and says, you know, you're so fortunate. You got to see Krishna and you saw all the happenings in the hall while they were eating, you know. Tell me about it, you know, please. This is what I want to hear. This is my life. And so the Acharyas at that time actually uh, uh, 
they make a statement, a wonderful statement. They say, you know, as devotees, when we practice our Krishna consciousness, and we pray to Krishna, and we pray to Radharani, we pray to Lord Nityananda, Lord Chaitanya, like that, Lord Jagannath, like that, Lord Baladev, Lady Subhadra. We're also, also, it's like, give me, give me, give me, right? Give me this, give me that. You know, it's like <laughs> And Radharani is all, take, 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 take. She's like, always giving to Krishna. She never takes anything from Krishna, you know? The food she eats is only because she cannot bear separation from Krishna, you know? And Krishna does leave all that food behind, you know what I mean? So, obviously, it's available. But she never asks for it. They all know that she loves it, so they bring it for her. Because for the gopis, there is no greater happiness than to see Radharani happy, you know? And because Radharani, it's such, she's such a beautiful person. And it's not like, you know, how sometimes, you know, one girl may feel a little unhappy about another girl having so much love and they don't have that much love. You know, there may be some competition there. The gopis, there's no competition with Radharani. They all just totally love Radharani. They always want her to be happy. And they know how happiness is. When she can serve Krishna, she's at the happiest. Any service she can do. That's why she makes the sweets and everything else, you know? She's always thinking, how am I going to serve Krishna? Always serving Krishna like that. So then, uh, uh, so then, uh, uh, you know, Tulsi is very shy, you know? She's a very shy person. From Radharani, she will not speak quickly, you know? She really loves Radharani. She holds Radharani in very high esteem. So, uh, so then Radharani can see. So Radharani says to Tulsi, says, she says, actually, did you even see Krishna, you know? You know? And she says, let me have a look at you. Because if I look into your eyes, I'll know whether you really saw Krishna or not. Because, you know, when, when any gopi sees Krishna, her eyes sparkle in a certain way, you know? And they all know this person saw Krishna. That's how they catch gopis sometimes with Krishna, you know what I mean? The gopi will do something with Krishna in a very intimate setting, and then when the, when the other girls see the gopi, they know this gopi was with Krishna. You know? <laughs> That's how they catch them, you know, with Krishna. Like then they go and complain to Radharani, you know, did you know that gopi was with Krishna by itself? You know? <laughs> and then they'll accuse Krishna and accuse the gopi, and then they'll have a big court case about it, and they'll have a defense lawyer and a, and a prosecutor. And you know, amazing things happen in that court case. It's just, you hear one of those court cases, it's like so blissful hearing the court case, you know? How they really defend Krishna, how the gopis will really defend Krishna, because they'll fight for Krishna. No, you know, because the gopis will accuse, one of the gopis will accuse Krishna. I know, that look in gopis' eye means you must have kissed her. You must have kissed her. Because that, you can't have that look in your eye unless it was kissed, you know? So she'll ask the gopi, did he kiss you? And she won't give any answer, you know? You know, she won't give any answer. Because whichever way she goes, it's going to lose, you know? <laughs> she says, yeah, she's going to be admonished. How did you do that? You know, it's Radharani's boyfriend. Why are you kissing her? You know, that type of stuff. And if she says no, then she's lying, right? And so that's going to be bad. It's not going to work. It's, so she just slips them out and say anything, you know. And now they're trying to figure it out. And they ask Krishna, and Krishna won't say anything either, you know, except that when he's in court, he'll say, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He'll always deny. You know, it's like his strategy is deny, 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 you know. So anyway, so, uh, so Radharani looks into her eyes and she notices, uh, you know, Tulsi's eyes are very beautiful, really doe-like eyes, very deep, very dark, deep, 
eyes like that. And she looks into the eyes and she sees Krishna in her eyes. Not just a sparkle. She actually sees Krishna in her eyes, you know. And Krishna is doing all these wonderful things to actually please Radharani. Uh, through the eyes, she's like, he's like relating with Radharani, he's communicating with Radharani, you know. And, uh, and Radharani realizes, yeah, this girl is something else. This girl is something else. She has so much love for Krishna, you know. Tulsi has so much love for Krishna. You know? And then and then she actually, uh, uh, so she, you know, brings her finger down, so she, her jaw comes back down, and she lifted her up, right? Lifted her up like that, and she came down again. And then she's actually shedding so many tears that it's described that all the tears bathe rather on his feet, you know? And, and uh, Krishna lets the gopis know that actually this is my offering to Radharani. These tears are my offering. It's my Abhisheka of Radharani. He does Abhisheka of Radharani. Like every day like this, this happens. Radharani gets Abhishek from Krishna through the tears of one of his very intimate associates like that, you know? You can imagine, right, being Abhishek with tears, you know? That's amazing. If you think about it, it's really amazing. So actually, then to go back to this, the near yoga pasha, the uh, the rope that Krishna carries, and so Radharani is explaining the amazing thing about Krishna is that he loves all of his devotees like that. It's not just that he loves her so much like that, but he loves all of his devotees like that. So the greatest thing we can do in our lives is to become a devotee of Krishna. And the greatest thing as a devotee of Krishna we do is that we chant Hare Krishna. And basically that just two or three things we have to remember. One is to be always joyful, be happy that we've come to know Krishna. It's a little like, you know, when you win the lottery you become joyful, right? You know, it's like it's not usual for someone to win a lottery, it's very unusual. And the amounts are generally very large, you know, you like these large sums of money, right? Some, you know, like I remember recently there was one that's the total amount was one and a half billion dollars. Can you imagine one and a half billion dollars? That's a lot of money. <laughs> Whoever won that money must have been like year to year smiles, you know. <laughs> no matter how much tax the government takes out of that, you know. So, so Krishna's love is much greater than that. So, so, so one is that we should be very happy. Second, very humble. Stay very humble because in our humility, we don't become prideful, you know? Krishna doesn't like pridefulness. He likes us to remain humble. And the one that's hardest to do, those two are hard enough, but the hardest one to do is not to offend others. Don't offend devotees, you know? Don't ever say anything, or do anything, even think anything that is negative towards another devotee, you know, like that. And if we can just somehow get past these, uh, you know, landmines. Yeah, these are like landmines, you know? <laughs> Anything blows. And then you lost a leg, you lost both your legs, you lost an arm, you know? And you sort of like, you think to yourself, man, there couldn't be anything worse than this could happen to me, you know what I mean? I lost my limbs, you know what I mean? I even I'm supposed to live. Now somebody's going to take care of me or put in artificial limbs. It's never the same, right? The original limbs are the original limbs, like that. So. In, the, in, in, in this case, the landmines actually just takes off your limbs away, but this one, this landmine takes away your spiritual credits, you know, your life, 
this ruins you for life. Just don't just avoid doing that. And and the thing that actually allows us to become like encouraged and enthusiastic is that how much Krishna is actually chasing us. To know that. You know, Krishna is chasing us. So if Krishna is chasing us, is there any chance that he will fail? There's no chance that he'll fail. The only reason he will not continue is if we show him a really bad attitude, right? And that bad attitude is pridefulness, you know, being uh, losing one's humility like that, uh, being morose in Krishna's presence. That's why they say you should never be unhappy inside a temple. Uh, you should never, no negative emotion should be inside a temple. You should always be very happy you're in front of Krishna. You see, like that. And like I said, don't, uh, or the Acharyas say, don't actually offend, uh, you know, devotees. If we can avoid those things, then Krishna will continue his chase, and he will win. And the only thing is, he doesn't allow us to know that that's, that win is going to happen until our last breath. Because he doesn't want us to turn around, doesn't to lose us, you know what I mean? Because we, we tend to have this great ability when we become successful to become unnecessarily proud, you know, puffed up like that, and then we lose Krishna. You know, puffed upness, we start offending people and, you know, become prideful like that, lose our humility like that. So that's why Krishna holds it until our time when we leave. But if we just continue doing this process, the chanting process, this is the key process. If we chant like that, then, uh, then that's the essence of our lives. <coughs> You're all listening very, very uh, attentively, quietly. You have any questions, anything you'd like to ask, anything you'd like to talk about? Yes, sir. So besides the three things that you mentioned, what is our purpose? What is our in, in In Krishna's eyes. Yeah. So our purpose is actually to express to Krishna how much we love him and how much we want to to always express our love for him like that in different ways sometimes mentally in the sense in the mind sometimes in our speech sometimes in our actions like that you know? so for us our purpose is always how can I how can I please Krishna how can I whatever I do how can I please Krishna and so one of the things that we do in that regard is that we tell ourselves, because generally the point with us is that there's a bit of a confusion that we have within ourselves. Who am I? Hmm. And often we confuse ourselves with our mind and our intelligence. Right. You see what I'm saying? And our false ego. Right. We think these are me, you know? Right. But actually they are uh, arrangements given to us. Living entities, actually. The mind is a living entity has its own soul, by the way, and super soul. The intelligence has its own soul and super soul, too. False ego has its own soul and super soul. Too. It's like a different person altogether. Mm. These, these three, like, in the senses are the same. They also have a soul and super soul. So, uh, which is different from my soul and super soul. That's my soul. That's in my spiritual heart, which is here. So basically, this confusion is what creates the problem. Because the mind wants something, and I think I want it. It's actually not I want it, it's the mind that wants it. So, so the idea is that 
uh, uh, spiritual knowledge means to understand the difference between the body and the soul. You know that 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 the soul is not the senses, not the mind, not the intelligence, not the false ego, right. but another entity like that. So, and these four other entities, they have different purposes. Their purpose is how to just gratify themselves to the fullest extent they can, you know? They're always looking for gratification. Somehow the mind is thinking, how can I be happy? So, and the other ones are thinking the same way. And they're thinking about their happiness uh, in separation from Krishna, not with Krishna. Mm. So basically, if we keep telling ourselves all day long that everything I do should only be to please Krishna, and then say to yourself, let Krishna know that I'm doing that to please you, even though you know some of the things that you're doing are not pleasing to Krishna. But if you keep telling yourself that, and you talk, telling Krishna, this is why I'm doing this, why I'm doing this, and then it's just like a child, you know, when, you're, when we're children, right, we made so many mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. We did so many things wrong. But our parents kept loving us, they kept embracing us with their love, and then we became better over a period of time. We gave up some of our nonsense activities and became, you know, better persons, right, mm-hmm. like that. So in the same way, Krishna, as a parent, will, he says, Dami buddhi yogam dami, as, as a parent, sitting in our hearts with us, he will sort of correct us, not just in the right direction over a period of time, and over periods of time, substantial periods of time, we will improve. We may not improve overnight, mm. and we won't notice the improvements overnight, but it's happening in a very, very small way, you know, very minute steps we're taking towards the right direction. And the more we say that to Krishna, the more Krishna will become enthusiastic to help us in that way, to get over our uh, confusion, you know, the doubts, the confusion, the fear that we have in our hearts in terms of relating with Krishna. Because that is the central purpose. I call it the KISS formula, you know. It's basically, if you can imagine, you know, there's a K on this side, right? And then there's an arrow pointing this way, and there's an I on that side. And then there's an arrow pointing this way too. So this, this is Krishna and the I is me. So every person is the I and this is Krishna. And so Krishna is always showing love to the devotee, to the child. Because everyone is a child of Krishna. Every living entity is a child of Krishna. So Krishna is always showing shelter. He's giving a shelter, meaning love to the person, the needs of the person. You know, he's giving us air to breathe, he's giving us water. He's giving us so many, he's, everything is giving us actually. We may charge each other for it, but actually originally it came free from Krishna. So that's Krishna's way of showing love to his people. So on the one hand, that shelter is going, so that's one as the shelter. And then from outside, our purpose is to serve Krishna, which means express our love. Prabhupada said the word service means expression of love. That's the other S, so it's K-I-S-S. You see, it's called the KISS formula. So if we can actually somehow always stay in that kiss formula. Mm. You know, it's how lovers kiss each other, right? Mm-hmm. They like to kiss all the time. It's not like they want to stop, they want to stop kissing. Just in public, they don't do it because they're shy. Mm-hmm. And there is some, you know, moral, some moral standards that you don't, what they call a PDA or something, public mm-hmm. display of affection, you know. It's, you know, for those who are come from higher uh, cultures, they think it's not a good thing to do, you know. It creates envy amongst other people. Mm. Somebody may not have a lover, and somebody does. One whose lover is kissing, the other one doesn't, so they feel bad about it. You know, like that. So, uh, 
So, so it's really our purpose is always, at least internally in the heart. You know, there's a saying in, in Hindi, Hindi follows a lot of Sanskrit words. Antarnishta bahilokya meaning that internally we stay fixed in this idea. That I love Krishna, I'm always with Krishna, and everything I'm going to do is for Krishna. And externally we're going to do things as we do things, based on our conditioning, you know what I mean? So the external is not what really matters, the internal is what matters. Now sooner or later it becomes external as well, because it becomes you. Mm. So you're going to be that, showing that externally as well. But actually it starts internally, you see what I mean? So internally, if we can always be fixed on loving Krishna, you know, thinking about Krishna like that, then that's really our purpose. That's the soul's purpose. And that's who we really are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, have you got anything you want to say? That was a really nice class. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, like, yeah, maybe the first time I've heard that kind of story. Yeah. That's like so intimate, and you can see like how Radharani reacts. Like she's just like so hankering to see Krishna. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's amazing. Like I've never heard. I mean, I've heard a few stories with Tulsi, but to see Tulsi together with Radharani is maybe the first time. Yeah. They're very close. They're yeah. very close. Yeah. Just Sometimes Tulsi is called the Queen of Vrindavan as well, mm-hmm. because she's you know it's Vrindavan, it's named after Vrinda, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know Radharani is obviously the Queen of Vrindavan, mm-hmm. but you know it's like these two. Actually, Tulsi is an expansion of Radharani. Mm-hmm. So um, she actually her purpose is to make all the arrangements, the nice trees, the nice lakes, the nice this, that, and the other. You know. So that the past time can happen. It's like how, you know, when you do a big, big drama, you gotta set the location, right? Mm-hmm. All the location things that you gotta do. That's Brenda's purpose, you know. And Yogamaya's purpose is the director. She's the director. So in the drama, imagine all the props are set up by Tulsi, and then and then Yogamaya will come in, and she will direct the whole drama, you know. And the main heroine in the drama is Radharani. And the main hero in the drama is actually Krishna, you know, like that. So that's basically how they sort each other. And you can imagine, right, the, the director and the heroine, the director and the hero, and the prop person and the heroine, the prop person and the hero, they're all very intimately uh, associating with one another. Because the prop person wants to make sure that the heroine and the hero feel good about the props, right? It evokes the emotions for the drama, because in the drama they've got a lot of emotions, right? A lot of things they're going to do. So if the props are the right props, it makes it easier to play a role in the drama. You see what I'm saying? It's like you notice sometimes, like in the temple, uh, anywhere for that matter. But you know, kirtan becomes more exciting when the right people are there. You know, you know, it just it just becomes more exciting, and the same people doing that kirtan in another location are not as excited. I mean, they may be very excited, but they're not as excited as they are in the other location, I see. Because it's like, you know, like kirtan 50, you notice how everybody dances a lot, right? But in a normal kirtan that's going on, people don't dance as much, or as much enthusiasm like that. Because it's the setting. The setting is very important. When they wear rings, right? It's the setting on the gold, how they set the diamonds and the jewels mm. on the ring. It's very important. 
you know, is actually what creates the value of that ring. It's the gems are valuable, the gold is valuable, but the setting enhances the value. You know? So that means she is the setting person. She'll create the arrangement in such a way that Krishna and Radharani will be totally excited. <laughs> a lot of love coming out like that. And of course everybody's totally excited. Everybody's totally excited. Yeah. And it's described that when we qualify to go back to the spiritual world, we go to that planet where Krishna is performing his pastime. And we get our final training there because hey, you can't get perfect training. It's not a perfect place. You can't get perfect training in an imperfect place, you know? You get perfect training in a perfect place. Just like when Krishna comes anywhere, like when he came to Vrindavan, you know, to fix the place so that uh, Krishna can come. Two million years of preparation. They were training the grass, they were training the air, they were training the trees, they were took two million years of training, which means, you know, the grass died and got born again, died and born again. And how many lifetimes of training it got, right? And then when Krishna came, the grass knew exactly how to, how to behave when Krishna is around. In the you know, like that. So, you can imagine that for, and by the way, these devotees are perfect devotees. They're like amazingly perfect devotees who came to do that. And it took them two million years. That's a long time if you think about it. With all that perfection, it still took them two million years. Can you imagine the level of perfection that must have been there in Vrindavan when Krishna came? Now, in that situation, when a devotee goes into that place, can you imagine that type of training you're going to get now, right? That's going to be amazing, amazing training. It's like described when you enter the clouds uh, uh, into a drop, because that drop is going to go into a green, the green is going to be ingested by the father, and he's going to then transmit it to the mother, and she's going to then, you know, uh, bring forth a child, right? That's the process. As soon as the soul enters the drop of water in the cloud, immediately the soul thinks, wow, this place smells so nice. This place looks so nice. So perfection starts right from that drop. When you enter the drop, the perfection starts all the way till you leave for the spiritual world, you know, the original spiritual plan. All the time, it's pure perfection. Whereas in this world, it's like almost pure imperfection. You know, right? It's like, Always something's up, right? No matter what you do, something's up. Something's messing it up. Someone's messing it up. And, you know, you feel bad about it. And, you know, when people leave, they stop being devotees because somebody messed up, something messed up. This world is like a mess. Just yesterday I was reading the leader of the United Nations, what do they call him? The United Secretary General or something, right? Mm -hmm. United Secretary General? Mm -hmm. He was saying, that right now, there's a wind of, I forget the word he used now, but there's a, a really bad wind going through this world that so many things are messing up so bad. And I was thinking to myself, actually it was messing up all the time before that too. It's just now it's become more obvious, you know. <laughs> more consciousness. Yeah. People are, yeah, you're right. The consciousness is rising. Yeah, their consciousness is so, rising. So they can, they can now sense it. Before they were not sensing it as much, you know? The more consciousness you have, the harder for you is to avoid. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't unknow what you know. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but that's the mature world. So how are you going to get perfect training in that place? But the one thing you can do is to create a perfect attitude. You can create a perfect attitude. You can say to yourself, 
No matter what this world is, I'm going to love Krishna. No matter what happens to me, who kicks me out of the movement, who makes me whatever in this thing, I'm going to love Krishna. I'm not giving up on that. You know? Everything else is, well, it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, what can I do? I'm nobody anyway. So if it didn't happen, you know, what can I do? You know? But I can love Krishna. No matter how bad it gets, I can still love Krishna. So when Krishna sees that attitude, then that person is ripe to go to get training. And it's described that when you go to that planet, it's Tulsimar and his servant who actually trains you up perfectly. You get born in the womb of a gopi, and you know that means all perfection. Gopi is perfect person. And then Radharani and Tulsimarani's servant trains you. And, and, she, and the servant tells, tells you, I'm an independent gopi. Means I'm not on in Radharani's camp, I'm not in that person's camp, I'm not in whichever person's camp. I'm independent. But I will tell you one thing. If you really, really want to learn everything here perfectly, so that you'll become a perfect devotee, then you please allow me to take you to Radharani's camp and you learn some things there. And then she walks you into the camp and then the training starts. And it's pure perfection. And when Radharani sees you, he, he looks at you and doesn't think, oh, this is new gopi, I've got a trainer. She'll start dealing with you like you're already perfect. She's so happy to see you. She'll praise you. She'll say so many nice things. She'll give you intimate service that only the most advanced devotee can do that service. That service she gives. And so what happens is then you become like, wow, how can I do this? I never did this before. And then you turn to the other gopi and you say, what am I supposed to do? And you say, don't worry. Don't worry. Calm down. I'll train you. I'll show you how to do that service. And then she'll show you, you know. Then you do it. And you make a few mistakes. And rather than knows you made a mistake, right? But she won't say anything. She'll say, yeah, you could have done a little better here. But she'll be very encouraging like that. And then she'll say, just keep doing it and you'll be fine. So she allows you to carry on with the service. Not that we made a mistake. Go out. Let's get somebody else into the service. No. <laughs> Train you up. Nicely. It's like pure ecstasy all the way. Getting trained up. I mean, that type of training doesn't exist on this planet. Here people will chastise you if you make a mistake. And they'll tell you you made a mistake. You know, even if they say it nicely, you'll feel bad about it, right? Even if they say it nicely, you'll feel bad about it. There, you won't feel bad about it. You'll feel really good about it. That, wow, at least I got some things right, you know? And then the other things, just a matter of time now, and I'll catch it. And you think, wow, but this is the highest service anyway. Who expects that you can do the highest service immediately? Right? If you imagine you're born, and then they tell you, now you need to be a brain surgeon. Well, who expects that I can be a brain surgeon after I'm born? It takes some training, right? It takes some education, some training, some practice. Then I become a brain surgeon. Then I can save somebody's life by doing brain surgery. I will kill them. So there, it's like instantaneously you're picking it up. It's amazing, you know. It's just amazing. So that's why the real thing that we should look forward to is when are we going to get out of here and go to that place? In the meantime, while we're here, we do the best we can. Stay humble, do the best you can. If anybody criticizes, accept the criticism. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Move on. But we sort of get a little worked up, you know? How dare you criticize me? You, you, you make mistakes too, and then you start pointing out their faults. And it's like gets into a cross line. <laughs> 
not really helpful. All right, so what's the time now? Right. You ready? Yep. Yeah. Nice. All right, thank you very much. Mind you got to do this job. The person will be able to do this job. The person will be able to do this job. The person will be able to do this job. The person will be able to do this job. The person will be able to do this job. So what did you make today? Uh, we did a pesto, uh, not pesto, but a parsley, basil, potatoes, quinoa, salad. Nice, nice. Sweet okay. tomato, coconut milk, oh. sweet potato, carrot soup. Cool. Yeah. And uh, okay. Okay. the soup. Jason made a tamarind limeade. Oh, really? Tamarind limeade, huh? With a pinch of cinnamon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you very much, Oh, you're welcome. Did you feel any, any of the warmth there? Yeah, yeah. Okay.